Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Legal Geeks. I'm here with Josh Gilliland, as always. Hey, Josh, how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> and we are here today to discuss all of the big legal and moral issues from all of the Star Trek series over the past 46 years, and we're going to do it rapid fire very fast. Josh, I'm a Star Trek fan. I love Star Trek, but Josh is a Star Trek expert. So I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to kind of lead this off, but Josh is going to be the one hitting the highlights for us of all the different what versions of Star Trek that we've seen over the years. So are you ready, Josh? Let's boldly go. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off, of course, with the original, the classic Star Trek. What, what are you saying there? What's the big one from uh, that Star Trek? Uh, there were many, because in the mid-60s, there were lots of things happening in the civil rights movement and, you know, the space race. Lots of things were happening in the 60s. There was the episode of Court Martial, which I blogged about very early in our blog, dealing mm -hmm. with uh, testimony of a computer versus a human being and the issues that, that come up with that. But one that always bothered me, and this was a little more on the moral side and a little less on the legal side, was the episode of Metamorphosis. And in it, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and a Federation commissioner named Nancy Hedford are forced to land on a little asteroid where they find Zephyrin Cochran. You know, the man who invented warp drive, who was depicted in first contact, and he was... <laughs> He left when he was 87 years old. He was made young by this entity, so it looks like he's 35. He's lived there for 150 years. And the entity is female. And they didn't know this. So, like, he's kind of, you know, this female energy wave kind of goes over him. And, you know, you know, it's basically having a relationship with him. And while this is going on, it won't let everybody leave. And... Hedford is dying. She has this rare disease, that, and she needs to be treated for it. Well, she gets too ill, and the alien, which apparently, if it could make Cochrane young, should be able to heal her. Well, it, That's it true. doesn't. Instead, it merges with her, so they, they, they become one, and it overwrites her, and it looks like, even though she, she speaks with we... And it, it sounds like, you know, a union of, of two female personalities. It seems like the entity's in charge. Yeah. And that always kind of bothered me. Like, what about her rights? It didn't heal her. Did she consent to, like, being merged? And then they elect to stay on the asteroid together and Kirk, Spock, and McCoy leave. And the commissioner was needed to help avert a war to help negotiate a peace. And McCoy asked about, about that, like, hey, what do we, what do, we do here? And it ends with Kirk saying, I'm sure the Federation can find another woman someplace to stop that war. <laughs> and, and like for all the great progressive things that Star Trek did, you kind of sit back and I, I was a little mortified by that one. That, that, that really rubbed me wrong. You know, on the flip side, you know, you, you watch the episode and like, well, the Enterprise is looking for him. Scotty's in command and it focuses on Scotty, Sulu and Uhura. And in, you know, 1966, 1967, that was, like, very forward to, to have somebody who was Japanese and an African-American woman, uh, you know, on the bridge, you know, and, like, they're, they're in charge. Today you watch, it's like, hey, people, you know, <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't see them as anything but people. And Thanks so, to Star Trek in the 60s and others. And, and a whole bunch of others, but it was just <laughs> the way that they depicted race relations was great. And they normally did a very good job with women's issues. But that was, like, really regressive, and it always bothered me. 
It's not only regressive, it's just Kirk is usually so focused on the individual, it seems, too, that it just shows a callous disregard for, yeah, kind of that individual identity that he usually is a grand champion of, it seems, as opposed to the bigger social or the bigger group kind of dynamic that Spock was often more focused on, you know, the greater good and all that. It was, it was a very you know, odd, again, it might just be a victim of being in the mid-60s, you know, I mean, like the women's rights movement was in process at the time, but still it was just uh, bad writing. I mean, just it was just, it's just weird. And all of that, it's, it's, a person's personality getting overwritten mm-hmm. like, by an alien life form and like maybe they were all very happy at the end but it's still it's just just weird you know and it's just like uncomfortable how, yeah it's like how's it how's a professional woman okay with that sure i'll i don't mind destroying everything i worked for <laughs> i'll just oh, stay cool. here yeah I'm, ha- I'm happy now so well, and now Star Trek The Next Generation, moving on. We're not covering that one today because, why, Josh? I, I blogged about it extensively, yes. The Measure of the Man, and that wonderful episode uh, about Data's right to exist, you know, whether or not he was property or, or a life form. And it, it was an exceptional episode when it, when it came out. Uh, and that one was actually very good on the race issue because it's a subtle argument and, and the argument Riker had to make was right out of the Dred Scott opinion and so it, it really bothers lawyers when you watch it and if you've read the opinion you realize what he's arguing and yeah. it, and that's pretty creepy. Uh, it's also really good on, on women's issues because the, the Captain Jag officer you know is overseeing the trial and is very is a very strong character and she's of equal rank to Picard, which was different than the court-martial episode uh, in the 60s, where, where the lieutenant uh, was, you know, a lower rank than Kirk. Uh, but anyway, they both do parallels of both had relationships with their captains, um, <laughs> both prosecuted boyfriends, like stuff that we would not allow. Uh, if you want a quick uh, motion to dis, you know, for a mistrial or to get rid yes. of the DA, it's like your your honor. Um, the prosecutor has a relationship with my client. That's a great way to to get somebody out of a trial. So, but uh, I've that makes for that good TV. Uh, yeah, it's just but people who go like that's we wouldn't allow that. That that wouldn't happen. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to Deep Space Nine. What about that one? And that's when I'd say I never actually watched it all. Did you like that series much? Are you? I love. How do you rate it? Nine. Really? Loved, it was. It was a little darker, and okay. about three seasons. Uh, you know, a substantial you know part of the entire series, they were at war with the Dominion, and you know the series was made in the 1990s the, the late mm-hmm. 1990s and we were at relative peace you know we had some horrible terrorist attacks but we were in relative peace mm-hmm. um and we had a war story taking place in star trek during that time and so after september 11th when we're you know in a state of war effectively for for a decade with everything that's happened uh, it's very interesting to go back and watch that being able to see how that society dealt with war and, and the parallels that we have uh, with it. But one of the best episodes, in my opinion, there were a lot of good ones. They did a lot of good stuff with DS9, was In the Pale Moonlight. And in it, you know, the Federation is losing the war with the Dominion. 
and they need to get the Romulans onto their side. So Cisco goes to Garrick the Taylor, who's the former, you know, um, spy for the Cardassians, and they develop a plan to get the Romulans into the war. To basically trick the Romulans into thinking, "Hey, the Dominion's huh? planning an attack," and mm-hmm. so here's the secret Pearl Harbor file that that you know has been taken from them. So they're going to go try to convince this Romulan senator that you know this is the case. Well, it doesn't work. The Romulan senator doesn't believe them. And as the Romulan leaves, you know, a couple days later, Cisco finds out that his shuttle exploded, that Garrick had planted a bomb on it. And so Garrick orchestrated the murder of this senator to make it look like the Dominion killed the senator. Mm-hmm. And then when the Romulans looked at the forensic evidence and uh, the, the you know, hollow card that they had with the, uh, you know, the war plans on it, that was enough to convince the Romulans to get into the war. And the entire episode is uh, Cisco doing this confession as a personal log because it, it bothered him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, he's like, you know, he talked about, I can live with all of this. And, and at the end, he deletes the personal log. So it's, it's very... Wow. I mean, it was exceptionally well done. I mean, like it deals you know, with heavy issues of the ends justifying the means, personal guilt for doing this, even though you know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so it's spycraft, and it's it's the messy, ugly part of war, and uh, it was exceptionally well done. And so you know, DS Nine definitely you know is worth people rewatching again. All you know, right. they, they had some really good writing, and and that was uh, one of the many good episodes that they had. All right, cool. I'll have to check that out. All right, how about Voyager? Voyager, two uh, episodes, and they'll be very quick. Author, author dealt with the doctor who was a hologram who wrote a hollow novel and in it he depicted his shipmates and it was you know the name of the his hollow novel was protons be free to talk about the issues of uh, holographic life form rights well he, he tries to exercise some control over his creation and there was an argument about whether or not he's a life form sure and because he's a hologram and in it, you know, they don't resolve that whether or not he's a life form, but they do find that he's an artist and can control his creative works. Oh, and cool. It, and then it ends with all the other uh, emergency medical uh, hologram Mark 1s are being used for menial labor, like, you know, digging in a mine someplace. And so it's like borderline convict leasing type type issues that they kind of flirt with and never, never touch again. Hmm. The other one... The big one is Death Wish. And in that, a member of the Q Continuum wants to commit suicide. And the crew of Voyager finds him. And so there's a hearing about whether or not to give him amnesty. And the entire issue is focusing on the quality of his life. Uh, There are powerful arguments for uh, suicide, powerful arguments for life. And in this, you know, there's, you know, the argument is it would destroy or, you know, create a significant disruption in the Q continuum. And there's a very great quote that the Q who wants to commit suicide makes saying, uh, dealing with the rights of the individual will be protected as long as they do not conflict with the state. Wow. And it's like, ooh, very good. Um, And so they end up granting him amnesty and the other Q, you know, from the next generation. I love um, the, that Q. Ends up giving him 
uh, this incurable, you know, hemlock to commit suicide with. And so, and he was the one who argued for keeping him alive and saying that you need a little of the disruption. And so it was a powerful episode because of the different legal issues and moral issues that they argued in there, uh, but they did an exceptional job with it. Wow. Gosh, see, I'm going to have to go back and watch these. I have not seen some of these, and you're making a good appeal or a good pitch for why I need to watch them. All right, and also Voyager, of course, was cool, too, because that was the one with the first female captain, right? Yes. Isn't that Voyager? Uh, so that was pretty awesome. So I did watch it for a while, but I didn't watch all of them. Um, but I need to go back and do that. It was exceptional, and that was uh, Captain Janeway, uh, playing by yep. Kate Mulgrew, who did a very, very good job. She was so, good. She was tough. I loved her. Indeed she was. And uh, right. Oh, go ahead. Which brings us to Enterprise. <laughs> uh, Enterprise, a couple issues, and, you know, the last, the third season uh, was a reflection of our time because it was post 9 11. We were, mm. you know, fighting in Afghanistan. We were fighting in Iraq. We were fighting on the war on terror. And the entire third season was them being at war against the Zindi because the Zindi used a weapon of mass destruction that killed 7 million people in Florida. So let's go to the Zindi homeworld and stop them from building a weapon that will destroy all of Earth. And there are the entire season is about let's save Earth so we're not wiped out of existence. Well, there are moral issues and legal issues throughout that entire season, dealing with Archer roughing up to torturing a prisoner to get answers because they needed to, capturing someone and like messing with their mind in a kind of an interrogation type fashion with a simulator to try to get answers. Um, making a clone of the engineer to breed a part because the engineer gets hurt and oh. they need and so it's basically grow a clone to get the body part that they need what was and that movie so, what was there was that movie was it with ethan hawk or edward norton i always get them confused there they've heard a couple i'm like there were some in the 70s even that that dealt yeah. with that, that cloning type issue right and so, anyway so, so they did they dealt with that it was it was a powerful Season and they realized not everything was as it seemed. Not everyone in there was bad, but you know there was a third party manipulating them, pulling the strings, and it was nice, you know, you know, flat out action adventure, fight the bad guys, not you know, ending to it. And that was one of the best seasons. A great work by Manny Cotto. Uh, but the best Enterprise episode dealing with the legal system was one entitled Judgment. Huh? And that, Archer's captured by Klingons uh, because he got into a fight with some Klingons because he saved some refugees who were, like, starving to death and the Empire wanted them executed. Mm. And it's a trial. And it, it's exceptional to watch because of watching, like, the Klingon jurisprudence uh, mm -hmm. that deals with, you know, like, they have to prove their own innocence um, you know, huge <laughs> issues like with like not cross, being able to cross-examine, you know, the, the, the Klingon captain who Archer, you know, bested by trickery. And uh, the Klingon defense lawyer, you know, has a reformation like in the middle of it because he's been an attorney for 50 years and like for the last, you know, 20 or, or 30, you know, they've just been putting on show trials in the Empire. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, there, there's, like, basically a wonderful closing argument about, you know, you know, an honor being earned and, uh, you know, what, what, the, what a legal system means. And, like, that was, like, 
rock on, nicely done. And so they did, wow. a, they did a very good job uh, highlighting the importance of our system and of right to counsel, right to cross-examination, of, you know, being able to, you know, the, the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone committed a crime. And they, they just, you know, and then you get into the cruel and unusual punishment issue as well. So they did some wonderful things in judgment, uh, which was in the second season of Enterprise. So All right. Well, there you go. That's very cool. What were you going to say, Josh? Sorry, I cut you off. You know, in 46 years, Star Trek has been a wonderful uh, allegory of, of human existence about hope mm -hmm. and, and what we can be. And when you look back from court-martial in, in 67 uh, to today uh, and everything that, the, that they've done and what you know has been a reflection of our times and what we could be is great. And that includes the legal system as well. Very nice. I totally agree with that. I would argue that any good science fiction, of course, that's what makes it so great, is that it is a good reflection both of our current state and um, what we could become, both good and bad, obviously. Um, and yeah, in fact, we'll have well, maybe that would be another good discussion at some point. Or you know, what's some of the best sci-fi for reflecting that? So, all right, on to the future. We'll boldly go go with more of these podcasts, and we'll continue to make bad Star Trek puns. <laughs> The needs of the many. So, uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, we'll stay geeky and, uh, you know, signing off. Bye.